Welcome back to the Kentucky History Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Cable, and I'm here with another great Kentuckian, Mr. Bill Carmen. He's the founder of Kentucky Wild Outdoors and author of multiple books. Uh, but we're going to talk about one, or at least we're going to focus on one today, Saving Noah, Love, Murder, and Kentucky Politics. Mr. Carmen, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. I really appreciate it. Well, we're sitting here. Finally, it's been, I don't know, probably about a year since we've been able to set and record in the Kentucky room in the Lincoln County Library, but if you need a book, come to the library. It's a great place. I could spend days here probably. And after today, Saving Noah will be in the library. Oh, cool. I'm going to drop a book off to them today. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, So you can come get it. I would assume it would probably be in the Kentucky room. That's where the Kentucky history books are. So, Bill, how, uh, let's just talk about your Kentucky connection. Where are you from? How you, how, how you've, Settled in Kentucky and all that, all that good stuff. Well, my both my parents were Kentuckians. My mm-hmm. father was uh, from Western Kentucky, Mayfield area, and my mom is from Mount Vernon. Cool. And they met while my dad was uh, in officer candidate school, uh, taking some classes at Berea College during mm-hmm. World War Two. Okay. And that's how they met, mm-hmm. and we eventually settled in Danville, and I yeah. grew up in Danville, Kentucky. Cool. Now, what part of Rock Castle was your mom in? She was actually in Mount Vernon, Mount Vernon, right in near the downtown. All right. Well, I got a lot of a lot of connections. I, I'm I'm more the Broadhead, Ottawa area. So uh, I guess you went to the Little World's Fair. When you oh, were yes, <laughs> yes, the Little World's Fair. That's yeah. a interesting place. Yes, it was. <laughs> well, we here in Lincoln, they had the fair just this past week, and you know, I mean, fairs are fairs, but the Little World's Fair is a different fair. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, did your mom go to Mount Vernon High School? She sure did. Okay. Uh, she ended up going to school there. Uh, her father actually was a basketball coach and teacher there. And uh, that plays a, a little bit of a role in the book, the story. And um, mom actually ended up coming back to Mount Vernon um, right before she met my father. And she was actually teaching in a one-room schoolhouse oh. out in the county. Yeah, what was she it? Was, she was a school teacher, and well, I'm not sure where that was. Okay, okay. Well, of course, I, you know, I, I, don't, know, I don't know her age or, or how that lines up, but my, my grandma, uh, she went to a one-room school in, in uh, Rock Castle in, in um, Ottawa. They may have known each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's the things that start connecting. But uh, Well, before we get into the book, let's talk about Kentucky Wild Outdoors how, okay. uh, and, and how that came about. Because I've, I've been on the website, and it's just KentuckyWildOutdoors.com. That's correct. Um, tell us about that. Well, um, I'm in my third career. I worked for two de- over on nearly three decades for uh, Lexington Parks. I was the park designer for a while and then ended up getting promoted up through the ranks. And I retired there in 07 after many years and then uh, went to work for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, which is a nonprofit conservation organization. And uh, as you may or may not know, some of your uh, listeners may, Kentucky has a large elk herd. Mm-hmm. And I worked with the uh, Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife and I also had had uh, responsibilities in West Virginia and uh, Tennessee as well. And after 10 years, I retired from uh, that gig as a regional director and uh, started Kentucky Wild Outdoors, mm-hmm. which is a, kind of a, a place where I, can, I could cobble together a lot of things that had early on been hobbies and eventually turned into a career. Mm-hmm. I'm a hunting and fishing guide. I guide elk hunters and bear hunters. Um, I got fly fishermen or fly anglers, 
uh, regularly. In fact, I scouted a stream on the way over here uh -huh. today because I'm going to be uh, guiding tomorrow. And I do fly fishing clinics and workshops for Kentucky State Parks and other entities. And then I also do a lot of outdoor writing. I write for several magazines, outdoor magazines. And in that capacity, uh, my first book was a kind of a cobbling together of a bunch of stories that I already had published in magazines. Uh, that book's called Feather Sticks. And uh, it's a bit primarily about fly fishing and bow hunting. And that came out in 18, and then in 19, I released a book called Hunt Simple, which is a kind of an answer to the pervasive use of electronics in the outdoors. Uh, kind of a back-to-basics back to book, a how-to book, how to read a compass, how to build a fire, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then um, last year, I released a book called High Ground and Clear Water, which is another book of hunting and fishing ex essays. Mm -hmm. Um, some of which had already been published in magazines. And then for 20 years or so, I'd been working on Saving Noah, and during the, <laughs> the COVID shutdowns over the past couple of years, uh, I was able to finish it up. So that's Kentucky Wild Outdoors and kind of a segue into Noah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that sounds like you've worn many hats over the years. Yeah. And uh, I, I may want to say, uh, if anybody's interested in Kentucky Wild Outdoors, just uh, go on my website. It's KentuckyWildOutdoors.com. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and people can, I guess, book book a trip or book. That's a... correct. You can book a hunting or fishing trip, or mm -hmm. you can buy my books on the website. You can get all my books through Amazon and at some bookstores. But uh, if you want one signed, you'll need to do, do go the, on my website. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and we appreciate you too sending us a copy. Uh, of the book as well and so I want to ask about the elk hunt though okay uh, I mean were you part of them bringing the elk in and all that well I was it... actually a volunteer with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation back mm -hmm. in the early days when yeah uh, the idea was kind of germinated and uh, you know elk were brought into Kentucky the restoration started in 1997 mm -hmm. and went for four years and there were 1500 elk brought in and the kind of the peak of the elk population in Kentucky occurred around 2006, 2007. There, there could have been as many, by 2010, there could have been as many as 15,000 elk in Kentucky. Oh. The herd is down right now. Um, and we're not sure why there's some studies going on at Fish and Wildlife to kind of figure out what's going on. But there's still a lot of elk out there, yeah. and it's a lottery to get a tag. Well, that's what that was my next yeah. thing is, you know, sometimes I hear of people wanting to get on that lottery or win that lottery to go hunt, hunt the elk, and uh, and now and that is primarily in eastern Kentucky. That, yeah, it's all yeah. there's a 16 county elk zone in eastern Kentucky, and they uh, did the drawing uh, for this year's hunt in May, mm -hmm. and then you have to actually put in for a unit to hunt in, and they released that information about two weeks ago. And I'm still getting calls, you know, from people yeah. that want to so, so, book an elk hunt. Yeah, so you got, are you one of the guys? I am a guide. Yeah, for uh, those. Now, this year is going to be a little weird because I'm supposed to uh, be moose hunting in Newfoundland during part of the elk season, but I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to get yeah. across the Canadian border. They released some information yesterday that makes me a little more optimistic. Uh -huh. But um, So this year I'm actually not guiding elk hunters. Uh -huh. What I am doing though is I've put together some DIY packages mm -hmm. for uh, hunters that might want to do it on their own. Yeah. 
and those packages include maps and uh, GPS coordinates and all kinds of information about equipment you need and vehicles and hunting tactics and calling elk and all that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So it's a pretty good product. Uh, it's proprietary information, so uh, there's some agreements you have to sign uh, agreeing not to share the information. But anyway, it's a pretty good product, <laughs> and I'm almost sold out of those. Yeah. I'm just selling a limited number because I don't want to flood the areas with, yeah. you know, with hunters. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I'll start guiding again next year probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody has had a, a wild a wild COVID year and then the yeah. recovery year. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, uh, I, I will be back from my hunt before the late season this year. And I may pick up a hunter or two mm -hmm. to guide, but I'm not planning on it right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Back to the, well, I mean, we could talk about hunting and all that, so I'm Forever. sure. Forever, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, back to um, the story, you know, you said you had written these hunting books and these old, the, the stories um, book as well, but you'd already, you had been writing Saving Noah for a while. Yeah, a long time. Back, uh, I'd heard bits and pieces of the story from my family, not much though. Mm -hmm. And most of the family stories I heard were, the information was incorrect. Uh, people had heard this or heard that, they'd heard rumors, and nobody really had the correct information. Uh, for instance, I had heard that Noah had been killed by a hitman from Chicago. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, which was t totally incorrect. But, um, so I started doing a little bit of research, and then back around 99, 2000, uh, a friend of mine was over at the archives doing a little bit of research on genealogy, and I asked him if he might poke around a little bit and see what he could find. And he brought me a newspaper clipping from, uh, I think it was the Courier-Journal, I believe, or maybe the Lexington Herald, I'm not sure which. But, uh, you know, it was, the headline was this Rockcastle County Sheriff was killed. And it outlined some of the information, and that kind of piqued my interest. And I started doing a little more research. And over the years, if I was in near Somerset, for instance, which yeah. is where part of the story occurs, I would, you know, I dropped into the Somerset Library and got into their archives and their newspaper archives. <laughs> then, and so then. I just kind of did that over the years. And then I hit a dead end. I, I just couldn't find anything else out. And I, you know, in my, I'm not the greatest researcher in the world, but I just kind of hit a dead end. And then through a series of coincidences, I met uh, via telephone, I met Jean Burchell, uh, a lady in uh, Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania. And Jean is a descendant by marriage of the man that killed Noah Tipton. Yeah. Now, Noah Tipton was my great-grandfather. Oh, okay. So, oh. Um, so here I am talking to this woman who's a descendant of <laughs> yeah. uh, the man that killed my great-grandfather. But anyway... Jean was just wonderful, and uh, I asked her if she might want to co-author a book. She declined, but she agreed to send me everything she had, and she had a just a treasure trove of information. Yeah, and that enabled me to continue forward with my research. And then, over the the few years since I'd met Jean, and I've never actually met her in person. She, <laughs> we've gotten to be good friends over the phone, but. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd been working on this, and over the years, you know, I'd run into a snag in terms of my research, and I'd call Jean, I'd say, Jean, could you help me out a little bit? She was just just a, a saint in terms of helping me with the research. And so, um, 
you know, I was able to finish up. I had all this research in multiple files, and then during the lockdown uh, period during COVID, I thought, you know, I'm just going to see if I can knock That's this book it. out. <laughs> and I was able to, you know, to finish it up. Yeah. And I had, you know, I searched for a publisher, and that was kind of an interesting search because uh, finally I just, you know, I had, uh, there are different kinds of publishers. There are vanity publishers, and there are, uh, you know, there's self-publishing. There's all kinds of ways you can publish a book. But I ended up going with a, a mainstream publisher, uh, but it's a sort of a mom-and-pop type outfit in Missouri mm-hmm. uh, called Acclaim Press. And they they kind of have a niche for true crime yeah. and historical mm-hmm. crime, that sort of thing. And they jumped right on it and, and, and published it. So. Well, well, glad they did, which I, I'm yeah. sure you would have you got it published one way or the other, <laughs> especially putting all that work in because, you know, I, I'm doing a history podcast, of course, that do plenty of research and you know, sometimes, especially during the COVID, like you were only limited to online. You know, I could only right. get stuff online or or books that I already have had. Yeah. And uh, you know, finding finding out about your, your book and just the Rockcastle connection. I mean, you know, being from Rockcastle, that's a big uh, motivator. And like I've tried to find out more about the Bathurums of Rockcastle, and you know, you run into a dead end here or there, and it's just like, you know, what, what am I going to? What, yeah. what am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, that it, and it's even more interesting that. She is the relative of the man who killed Noah, and right. then you all got together. Um, that was just an online or through. Yeah, we just mostly talked on the phone, mm-hmm. and then she would email me. Well, how stuff. did you connect, get connected to her? Did well, I was actually guiding an elk hunter, um, and we stopped at a restaurant in Clay County. Uh-huh. The man that killed Noah Tipton uh, was a man named Hunter Birchell, and he was from Clay County originally. And um, so. I met a man in a in the Huddle House restaurant there, <laughs> out near eighty there in yeah. uh, Man, near Manchester, and he he, I asked him if he knew any Birchels, and he said, yeah, my, one of my friends is a Birchell, so I called that fella, and asked him if he knew anything about Hunter Birchell, and he said, no, I don't know much about him. You know, he was one of my, you know, the man said he vaguely remembered him mm-hmm. before he died, uh, but. He said, you might want to talk to this cousin of mine who lives in Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania. And uh, so I called her, just it was a cold call, and she had actually done quite a bit of research on the same topic and written a little sort of a booklet on that event just for her family, just Mm -hmm. to kind of have. And she sent me all the information in that and some photographs, and she was just, like I said, she was just a jewel. She's been a really wonderful person to work with to meet and work with yeah. mm-hmm. with the book as far as like how how much i guess how many newspaper articles did you think you went through like because you oh talked about gosh. that you talked about and like, i mean did I, did I go through yeah yeah oh my gosh hundreds <laughs> one interesting thing and i'm it's kind of uh timely because we're sitting here in the in the library yeah. in stanford one of the best newspapers that I was able to get information from was the Stanford Interior Journal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, I may, if I have time today, I may go over there and shake somebody's <laughs> hand. Because, and one of the interesting uh, topics that I ran across was a gunfight that occurred in 1927, which was uh, about four, roughly four years uh, before the incident that killed Noah Tipton. 
And it was a gunfight that Sheriff Tip, well, he was deputy sheriff at the time, deputy sheriff Tipton, Sheriff John Griffin, and a railroad uh, officer named Cam Mullins. Uh, they went to a place called Mullins Station to uh, yeah. to arrest some bootleggers, or, you know, some moonshiners. And a, a big gunfight erupted. And I had seen just bits and pieces of the information about that. Um, and there was one little reference to that in Lily Tipton's letters to the governor, and I'm not going to spoil what that's all about, but in the book. But so, uh, but I couldn't find anything about that. Yeah. You know, I looked through all kinds of newspaper archives, and I couldn't find anything about that incident. And then Gene Burchill finally found an article in the Stanford Interior yeah. Journal about that gunfight, and I was able to craft a, a whole chapter on that incident. Yeah. In the book. Well, that's and that's one thing. You know, I'll brag brag on the Interior Journal as well, um, and, and this the Lincoln County. Um, I, I'll say historical records. You know the uh, deeds and that's that, that that sort of thing. But Lincoln County, the library, or not the library, the courthouse was never burned. You know, a lot of places the courthouse right. burns and all that stuff's gone. But the the newspaper has been. I think it started in eighteen sixty, maybe, and I mean has been and. Typically, you get a newspaper that merges and this and that, but I don't think the Interior Journal, <laughs> new ownership, of course, but it's always been yeah. the Interior Journal. Finding those, going through those newspapers is uh, can be tiresome, but uh, also rewarding when you find what you need. Yeah, and that, I mean, there were a lot of really good articles in the Interior Journal about uh, some of the legal proceedings that went on as mm-hmm. part of that, that whole event, and mm-hmm. I was just really really pleased with uh, being able to find the information I needed yeah. from that newspaper. Um, and two, I don't know what it is, but like uh, there was a sheriff shot in Lincoln County um, in the ni- 1819, I think, or 1818, right around, right around that time. And the sheriff had won the election, but it was close. And the person that he beat came up in the middle of the street and shot him. <laughs> like the old days after election, I mean, it was, yep. and he got banished from Lincoln County, and uh, I mean, just wild, but. Uh, Those were the wild west days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, ha- ha- tell us, I guess, let's get into Noah just a little bit, not, okay. not too deep, but just tell us about Noah, and then we'll, we won't go into too much. Well, after Noah that. Tipton was a really interesting guy. He was a big, tall fella, kind of a strapping farm boy. Uh, he was born in uh, Harlan County, but uh, about the time he married Lily, they were both from Harlan County, Lily's family moved to Paint Lick, mm-hmm. and Noah and Lily followed them to Paint Lick, and then they settled uh, in Roundstone for a little while, and then they eventually ended up in Mount Vernon, and he owned a portion of the rock quarry there in Mount Vernon. Yeah. He owned a part interest in the hardware store, and uh, he, he did some farming, uh, and, you know, he was deputy sheriff, and then eventually he was elected sheriff mm-hmm. of Rockcastle County, and he was a very well-liked sheriff. Uh, there were a lot, of, a lot of articles in the paper about his, his you know, his performance as sheriff. And then uh, when he was murdered, uh, it was the supposedly, according to the newspaper, the biggest funeral ever in attended in, uh, at that time, up until that time, in Rockcastle County. Mm-hmm. And my mom remembered, you know, that funeral. She, my mom was nine years old when the whole incident occurred, and she was. My mom was a kind of a wealth of information as well. It yeah. took a while to pry it out of her. 
<laughs> but like a like um, a soldier returning from the war, a lot of people that go through traumatic events don't like to talk about them. Yeah. And uh, it took a while for me to kind of get her to open up about some of those events mm-hmm. back oh. in uh, back on uh, January sixteenth, nineteen thirty-two. Yeah. Did did she have any siblings? She did. In fact, there's a picture on the cover of the book of Sheriff Noah Tipton with my mother and her sister. Mm-hmm. Her sister's name was Geraldine. My mom's name was an odd name. Her name was Watheline. And okay. Watheline uh, Tipton Fairchild was her name as she was growing up. And then, of course, she took on my dad's name Yeah. You know when she got married. But... Um, but that the picture of them is on the front of the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Uh, well, yeah, I can only imagine the track. You know, being nine, nine years old, and that happening. She heard the shots. Oh wow! Oh yeah, yeah. that would be uh, well traumatizing yeah. in every yeah. every sense. Uh, and and not, again, not to spoil anything, but that picture on the book, the cover of the book, it was uh, Easter a year and a half before um, the events that took place on January 16th, 1932. But anyway, Noah's wearing a nice dress coat, kind of a long woolen coat. Mm-hmm. And it must have been a cool day, but uh, the, the coat's buttoned up, and that coat plays a quite a role in the, the whole event. And uh-huh. I'm, again, I'm not going to spoil the book. But <laughs> we want you to go read the book. We yeah, read get the it. book. <laughs> um, what, what about the Mount Vernon signal? I mean, it was that... They yeah, they had, of- they had a lot of information, but you know, that... There must have been something that happened at the signal at one point because maybe a flood or a fire or something because they lost a lot of their mm-hmm. archives. Mm-hmm. Now, there are quite a few papers, uh, issues of the paper on microfilm at the library over there, but it's there are some big holes in the yeah. you know, in the timeline over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just couldn't, some of the things I really wanted to find, I just couldn't find over there yeah. because again. Back in those days, uh, every all the buildings those businesses were in were wood. Mm-hmm. They would burn. They, sometimes they would flood. You know, yeah. who knows? Yeah. The whole courthouse in uh, Rockcastle burned County down. burned, and I, they lost a lot. In fact, there are no court records of any of those things that went on at the mm. courthouse. Yeah. Uh, well, well I take that back. There is. I did find one interesting piece of paper. Uh, I found the proceedings where they made Lily Tipton, Noah's wife, sheriff. Yeah. I did find that. Mm-hmm. But I ended up having to go to the state archives in Frankfurt, Kentucky State that. Archives, for a lot of the court and legal proceedings. Yeah. So. And, well, and, and the, the word is, and this is another podcast episode, which um, I, I need to get down to researching and finding more out about, is the Rockcastle Courthouse was burned by... Uh, somebody who thought they had incriminating evidence on them. I didn't know that. And they burned it. And then that person, one of the people that were um, claimed to be, I, they were never proven guilty. Right. But one of the people that they thought was the actor or the, the arsonist. Arsonist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually became judge executive. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, very interesting. Now, that was, that was eight, you know, late 1800s, I think. But um, okay. um, I, I need to find more of that story because that's a... That's but anyway, hard. a lot of those records were lost. and mm-hmm. The archives has a lot, but they have so much that it takes so long to yeah. go through. For instance, if you're looking for, say, a grand jury proceeding, 
you know, you have to go through boxes and boxes and boxes of information, even yeah. if you can narrow down the date mm -hmm. at the Kentucky State Archives. And that's really time consuming. And, oh, yeah. You know, I did a lot of that, but for the book. But yeah. It yeah. is time consuming. Yeah. And then <laughs> you come out two days later and you've got, you've, you found out one detail. Yeah. You? <laughs> that, that's about right. That's about right. Um, so with the book, oh, well, um, you talked about. Um, you, you talked about the, oh shoot, I keep losing my questions here. Um, the, uh, the, her becoming the sheriff. That's correct. Um, and, and we talked a little bit before, before, uh, about her being one of the first sheriffs in, in, um, in, uh, Kentucky, female sheriffs in Kentucky. Right. But there was, a, there's possibility there might've been another one. Yeah, there were, I, and I discussed several of several of the first female sheriffs in mm -hmm. the book and but i i was you know i really kind of hit a wall in terms of research on female sheriffs i spoke with the kentucky sheriff's association i spoke with numerous um, groups and people trying to find out more about that and there is no single repository of records on the kentucky female sheriffs so i ended up just kind of doing some haphazard research and I found several, but Lily was the earliest one that I found. Mm -hmm. And so in the book, I listed her as one of the first female sheriffs in Kentucky. But after the book came out, uh, I got a call a few weeks ago from a fella down in uh, Madisonville mm -hmm. who's with the Historic Society down there. He told me about uh, a female sheriff that was 10 years before Lily. Yeah. And there's actually been a book written about her uh, or that incident. And there are some parallels. That sheriff was actually killed by another law enforcement officer. Oh, wow. And uh, his wife became sheriff. And so um, I wasn't able to include that in the book. If I do re-release this book, there are a few odds and ends I want to change. And that'll be one of them. I'll add some information yeah. about that sheriff. Well, that's the, that's the way it goes all the time. Yeah. With a podcast and everything pertaining to history you do all this you get it right. set up you put it out there and then you go oh i found something else i should have been mentioned this i right. should have added this right uh, and i mean how as far as re-releasing it i mean do you think that would i mean that'll be well there'll be a threshold in terms mm -hmm. of the number of books we sell okay uh before you know we'll do another yeah. release so yeah. i i really haven't even talked to the publisher about yeah, that yeah yet. but it eventually it'll be re-released mm -hmm. i'm sure mm -hmm. so um as far as, and, and let's, let's talk a little bit about what you got coming up this, this Friday. Yeah, on uh, July 30th, we're doing a book signing at the Kentucky Music Hall of Fame, which is right there next door to Renfro Valley mm -hmm. in Mount Vernon. Mm -hmm. And um, it should be kind of a fun affair because a lot of the folks that helped with the book and, and people that are aware of some of the circumstances uh, should be at the book signing, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. It's uh, from five to seven on July thirtieth at the Kentucky Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I'll be uh, signing and selling books at, mm -hmm. at at that event. Yeah, and I know we got we got some Rock Castle listeners and you know that would very much enjoy you. I mean, this is a trip down you know, Rock Castle County's history. I mean, uh, it's right down your neighborhood, really, probably right next to your you know down the street, maybe even possibly. Um, so try to come out there and uh, check out the book, get the book, meet meet uh, Bill here and uh, get a copy. As it is with history, I mean, when people reading this book, what would you want people to kind of get out of it? Well, 
one of the things that that kind of struck me about doing this is that you know when you read a book particularly books about history you meet various characters that were real characters mm -hmm. and it's hard to to hear their voices yeah uh, but with Lily Tipton Noah Tipton's wife who became sheriff she actually left uh, for posterity some letters that she wrote to the governor mm -hmm. And those letters are actually in the book, word mm -hmm. for word, mm -hmm. and you can hear her voice. Yeah. And to me, it's very poignant uh, listening to Lily's voice after the death of her husband, Sheriff Noah Tipton. So, you know, that those letters brought that history to life for me. Mm -hmm. that, that was one interesting thing that came out of the whole the whole bit of research and writing the book, yeah. just listening to Lily's voice. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember Lily. She yeah. was... She was elderly when I was a child. Mm -hmm. She died when I was in college. Uh, and I knew Lily, but I, of course, you, when you're a child, you don't know people that way. Yeah. And, uh, I, did, and I didn't know her that way. But looking back now, uh, there are a lot of questions I would have loved to oh, ask yeah. her <laughs> about her husband and mm -hmm. the events surrounding January 16th, 1932. Yeah, and that's, that's one thing, um, you know, thinking about that, being and I talk, I've talked about this more like having those letters is key I mean your story kind of becomes something different if you don't have those letters and just like in any any sort of um, history if you have somebody's journal I mean that's that's a great resource oh sure um, and, and you know obviously you were younger uh, but being able to talk to her and having people you know that are alive that knew her uh, which that's that's probably getting very seldom is there well, any um, Lily had a nephew named Kenneth Hopkins uh -huh. and Kenneth is Lily's sister Nancy's son yeah Kenneth is still alive he's a hundred years old Wow and I interviewed uh, Kenneth at one point during a family reunion the Helton family reunion um, and for and he gave me some good information for the book and then just a few weeks ago, I was in Mount Vernon and had another chance to talk to Kenneth. Uh -huh. And his mind is as sharp as a tack. And uh, I'm hoping he'll be at this uh, book signing. Mm -hmm. But uh, he told me some more information about uh, Lily's parents' uh, trek from Harlan County to Paint Lick to live and about the reasons they moved. Yeah. Uh, the violence in Harlan County and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was really neat. I wish I had heard that information before <laughs> yeah. I wrote the book. And if yeah. I re-release the book, I'll add some of that. And so it was neat talking to Kenneth because he he actually was there and lived through it. Mm -hmm. He and my mom were about the same age. Yeah. yeah. And so um, mom died 10 years ago, but uh, Kenneth's still around. And I'm just, I've, I've been very blessed to be able to talk to him. Yeah. So. And looking at an event, I mean, we're talking about, it's 1930. The two 1932. 1932 is when it happened. So Ken Kenneth would have been what about twelve, maybe eight or let's see. Uh, Mom was nine, so around ten, ten, yeah. nine, ten, something yeah. like that. I think they were about the same age. I'm uh, I'm trying to do trying to do math on the spot here, and that's yeah, <laughs> not always the yeah. best way to go. Um, having that resource though, and that's so key. Like looking at something from the 1930s. Like oftentimes I'm reading a book from. Well, like 1890 or 1810 it's like you know, having somebody you can talk to and 
an oral kind of an oral right. guide is, is so beneficial. Anything else you want to say about the book? Well, then, uh, you know, again, if you're interested in buying a book that's you know a signed copy, go to KentuckyWildOutdoors.com. You can get the books from Amazon, and they're slowly getting in bookstores. This book's only been out a few months, so yeah. I know I'm going to be doing a book signing at Joseph Beth in October, okay. the, the big independent bookstore in Lexington. Um, I'm doing a few other smaller book signings in various places. Again, Amazon, or if you want a signed copy, go to KentuckyWildOutdoors.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can connect to a... a to a bill here, uh, KentuckyWildBill at gmail.com. That's that right? correct. Kentucky yeah. Wild Bill. And, and I'm not Wild Bill. It's Kentucky Wild Bill. bill. <laughs> <laughs> KentuckyWildBill at gmail.com is my email address. And again, if you're interested in hunting or fishing or outdoor related reading, mm-hmm. you can go to my website and, and you know, get, get a book. Yeah. Uh, what, one one last uh, thing before we wrap it up. What's any other writing plans? I mean, you've got was this this is the fourth book basically. It is. Yeah, so, uh, uh, yes, I, I'm one interest. I'm doing one interest a book that you might be interested uh-huh. in. Uh, it's called Fishing with Daniel Boone. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's bringing together two topics that I enjoy: fishing and history. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm an avid fly fisherman. So uh, what I'm doing is I'm fishing places that Daniel Boone lived and worked and hunted and explored. And uh, for instance, a few weeks ago, I was able to visit the home in Missouri, near Defiance, Missouri, where Daniel Boone died. Mm -hmm. And uh, the home's still there. It's beautifully um, preserved. It's a big two-story stone home. Mm -hmm. Uh, His son, Nathan, built it. But um, Boone died there in uh, 1825. No, I'm sorry, 1820. And uh, there's a stream right behind the home there called the Femme Osage, which is French for Osage Woman. Mm -hmm. And I was able to fish that stream. So what I'm doing is I'm writing about the fishing experiences in these streams and rivers, but I'm also weaving through that the Daniel Boone story. Wow. Another good example of that is uh, the Lower Dix River, below Dick's, what is, you know, where Dick's Dam is now. Yeah. Of course, back in Boone's day, there, there was no dam there. It was just a free-flowing stream. It's a, a cliff-lined kind of a canyon, and it's a very good trout stream. Yeah. And uh, that supposedly is where Boone uh, leapt off the cliff into the top of a tree to escape from some Shawnee. Uh-huh. So I fished that place, uh, and I'm referring to a couple of sources in the you know, in my book on Daniel Boone about, you know, saying that they think that's where that event occurred. Mm-hmm, occurred. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at a lot of places. I'm going to oh, be yeah. going up in a few weeks. I'm going up to uh, fish the Little Miami uh, near Yellow Springs, Ohio, which is where Boone was taken when he was kidnapped. Captured, yeah. Or ca- not kidnapped, captured. And he lived up there for, I think, nine months, as I recall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go up there and fish that river. And so wow. I'm that's... fishing all these places where... Boom that that sounds pretty cool. Hung out and uh, <laughs> weaving together uh, the fishing and the boon stories. Uh-huh. So anyway, that that's coming up. Hopefully, it'll be on the bookshelves in a year. Wow, wow I'm that's... still I'm still a little ways away from yeah. fishing the book. Man, so. I, that, that's your, I mean, you could you could fish. Well, about all Eastern Kentucky, <laughs> Central Kentucky. Yeah, I'm fishing. So. Some, I fished the stream, some of the streams near the Cumberland Gap yeah. where he came through, and uh, the Rockcastle River down near the Rockcastle yeah. Trading Post. Uh, is a place where 
Boone's, let's see, I'm trying to think if it, I guess it was his brother-in-law, or brother. Anyway, was killed, killed and they found the, yeah. his, uh, they found, and I haven't written that piece yet, I'm still doing some research. Uh, they found his skeleton in a hollow tree. Yeah. Yeah. And that was right on the banks of the Rock Castle mm-hmm. River. It, there, so. you know, it might have been his brother-in-law because I don't think yeah, I it think was. I think it was a guy named Stewart, as I recall. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of his last name because it wasn't Boone, so it, yeah. it would have been his brother. But they found, uh, they weren't even sure whose skeleton it was, and then they found a powder horn with his initials carved yeah. on it. And um, this Boone was in the party that discovered the skeleton several years after he had been in the party when the Indians attacked him, mm-hmm. uh, his relative was killed. So it's an interesting story. Yeah, there. I mean, you could yeah. fish the Kentucky River, of course. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm just yeah. I'm just thinking that's, that's, a, that's a, a good idea. There's a stream that runs into the Kentucky River near Boonesboro called Otter Creek. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to be fishing it uh, maybe Thursday. I'm thinking about going down there Thursday and fishing mm-hmm. it. It's a good smallmouth stream. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'll write about that, of course, too, because yeah. it comes right in near Boonesboro. Well, I'm trying to think of two like places just here in Lincoln, because you know mm-hmm. he was tried, he was tried, you know, for the whole Shawnee, yeah. you know, all that, all that, the all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah, all. yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, he was tried here in Lincoln, uh, so that would be a really. I, I don't know if they let him fish though, you know. But you know, he was probably here multiple times, Harrodsburg, oh, he was sure. probably all over the place. Yeah, there were uh, only, back in those days, there were only three settlements in yeah, Kentucky. It was yeah. Logan Station, which was mm-hmm. here, uh, Harrodsburg, and then Boonesboro. Yeah, 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 which uh, they've got they've got the Logan, uh, little Fort Logan almost complete. I mean, it's it's it's, it's getting there. <laughs> One of those things that I guess, you know, preserving history, of course, it's all, we're definitely all about that. You know, I hope people enjoy the book. It was mm-hmm. kind of a labor of love for me. It's called yeah. Saving Noah. And people might wonder why saving. No, you didn't save him. <laughs> well, really, what I did is I saved the story. Well, yeah. And um, I think that's really important. It was important. You know, if I didn't make one cent off this book, that would be fine because mm-hmm. uh, I've now saved this story for posterity, well, yeah. for my family, and for the yeah. for the readers. Well, and that's so. one thing. You know, saving the saving the memory of yeah. him. You know, and yeah. as as. As people as people die off, you know those stories go away, and that's yes, one that's one thing that, you know, I, I guess I, I'm trying to preserve, or we're trying to preserve with the podcast. You know, oral histories are are great ways to preserve things. I just think of, you know, this podcast put it up on YouTube, you know, 10, 20 years ago, it should still be there, yep. and people yep. can listen and, and find out about these stories and uh, find the books and and so forth. Uh, you know, the, there's so much little history just around even Lincoln County, let alone Kentucky, that people yeah. go right by and, and never even yeah, know about. Yeah, we're really blessed, I think, living where we do. I live in Lexington uh-huh. now, but I grew up in Danville, which is a you know real historic place. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we're real blessed in this area yeah. to have the history that we do. Yeah, I mean, you know, Daniel Boone and all those all those people came came right through Rod Castle and into, yep. into Madison and Lincoln and, and uh, well, Harrisburg, they came. I think they came from the north part, but uh, you know, everybody came right through there, settled. You know, Danville, all that. It is. It is a very yeah. rich uh, history history place. Um, well, if there's nothing else, uh, thank you again, uh, well, thank you Bill, for having for, me. I really appreciate. Well, it. and when the next book comes out, definitely the Daniel Boone book comes okay. out. We'll come. You can come back on and talk about I'll, that. I'd love to do it. I, I, I I'm interested in that because I, I feel like there's just there's so much you could do with that. It's a great a great idea. But also too, if you want to go out and hunt some elk. Uh, you can go to Kentucky Wild 
Kentuckywildoutdoors.com and uh, book a trip there. Uh, you know, get out there and see Kentucky. Or if you like to fly fish, or if you don't even know how to fly fish <laughs> yeah, yeah. and want to learn, I take beginners all uh-huh. the time. We're catching some really, really good smallmouth right now on, yeah. you know, on a fly rod. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So no, that'd be me. I would be a beginner for sure. Uh, and maybe we'll, maybe we can, we can do that as well. So a saving note is a great book to read, and I encourage you to go, go get Bill's book. Also, I would like to encourage you to check out the Save the Howard Theater Facebook page. Just type in Save the Howard Theater, and you'll check it out. We're trying to preserve some history in Crow Orchard, Kentucky. Uh, any help is appreciated. Again, thanks for coming on, and thank uh, you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.